Hello and welcome back to the F2 show. I'm your host Fraser Ford and joining me to look ahead to this weekend we have Inside F2 editor LA Wilshaw and we have Inside F2 writer Lawrence Griffin. Coming up on the show then, Baku is always an entertaining weekend but is it the best round on the Formula 2 calendar? Our guests discuss all. We look at who could be the drivers to watch out this weekend. And we take a look at what drivers could be weighing up their options come next year as we head into silly season. But before we do all of that, LA, Lawrence, great to have you with us. LA, I'll come to you first. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to have a little bit of a breather, isn't it? After the two back to after a back to back, so yeah, it's lovely and weather's picking up, isn't it? So yeah, let's have a good summer ahead. Yeah, happy days, happy days. You are right. It's nice to have a little break. Lawrence, are you uh, looking forward to to Baku? Oh yeah, I can't really remember a dull race at Baku, um, and I'm sure this weekend again won't disappoint. So I can't I can't wait to see what what we've got there you know after after monaco i want to see some proper wheel-to-wheel action and i and i know Baku will provide absolutely and sorry i didn't ask how are you i'm jumping straight into the racing because i'm excited for it but yeah you're good <laughs> yeah yeah couldn't be better i might good. even be better after this weekend <laughs> may well be may well be you are right though that there yeah plenty of overtaking opportunities at Baku, maybe a little bit more than what we saw at monaco so that is definitely good news Okay, let's take a look at the championship standings heading into round six. Felipe Drogovic extended his championship lead last time out to a massive 32 points over Teo Porsche. Jehan Daruvula and Marcus Armstrong will be hoping to close the gap to the top two this weekend. They sit third and fourth in the standings. And Yuri Vips and Jack Doohan round out the top six. And the team standings? MP Motorsport topped the team standings by 29 points from ART. Hitech moved into third in the standings last time out ahead of Prima. And a tough weekend for Carlin in Monaco. They sit in fifth with Virtuosi rounding out the top six. And the full standings are available on our website www.insideF2.com. Okay, Baku, let's get into it then. One of the fan favourites on the calendar. Uh, what is it about Baku and what is it about the, the circuit design, the layout that makes it so good for racing, LA? Uh, as a racing circuit, we have, you know, the flat out sections, which are incredibly exciting for a street circuit. You know, the, the speed that they get up to there in, in section uh, one and section three. And then you've also got that really, you know, amazing sort of tricky slow speed section around the castle in, in section in, in section two at sector two. And your two DRS zones, of course. So, you know, it's opportunity for overtaking. We know that um, from a Formula 2 point of view. You know, we already know um, from last year the moves that Dan Tickton was making, the overtakes that, that he was uh, pushing, you know, pushing or pushing himself around a bit, elbows out, wasn't he, on, on some some narrow sections too. Um, but I feel, I, I think Baku's just got a little bit of everything and, and it's one of my favourites on the calendar. Yeah, it really is a, a unique, a unique circuit in that it really does have that, you know, that tight, twisty, you know, bit in the in the in the in sector two, as you say, LA, and then the two straights. Is that the the thing that stands out for you, Lawrence? And um, we actually, funny enough, LA, you, you mentioned Dan Tickton. We have a question on Instagram. We'll go straight in with the questions as well. Uh, at Jim Kimberley, friend of the show on Instagram, uh, asked, 
who will do a Dan Tictum this year uh, and provide an overtaking masterclass, Lance? Oh, that's so that's so difficult to call um, because that's almost like asking who are we banking on to have a, a bad qualifying session and then and then come through <laughs> the order. Maybe perhaps a good a good qualifying and a, and a good sprint race as well. Um, I think I think Liam Lawson looked pretty racy last year in in Baku, so I, I'd back him to be putting on the moves again um, this year. I think there was even a, a moment he was a little bit over aggressive in his defence and got a penalty for it. Um, but I think, yeah, this season, this year, um, it hasn't gone perfectly for him. He'll be wanting to come back and he'll be getting the elbows out again, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing that. And obviously, historically, LA Baku has been a bit of a chaotic race weekend. I think that's fair to say. Uh, at Milo Collins 54 on Twitter, asks, hashtag the F2 show. Love to see it. Hashtag the F2 show. Uh, has the mentality of some of the drivers changed over recent years? Uh, do they take more of a conservative approach uh, since the carnage of the early years going into Baku? And by the carnage of the early years, I'm assuming he's talking about uh, Baku 2016. Which was well, probably one of the messiest uh, weekends in single seater racing ever. I think I've seen. To be fair, what, what, what do you think, Ellie? Um, I don't think they have backed off at all. You know, last se- last year, last season, as Lawrence just uh, alluded to, that there was plenty of sort of incidents of accidents coming together. Um, you know, and there were time penalties. Obviously, there was one for Lawson in in that feature race, and also for Dan Tickton. Um, and you know, there was collisions with um Guan Yu Zhou and Dan Tictum in I think it was sprint second sprint race. Um and from the back, you know, you saw Liam Lawson pretty handy. He did qualify in pole, but pretty handy um working his way up the field and Piastri and also Dan, you know, they they were all sort of not doing well and then they they came, they finished and scored points. So I feel that they were being, you know, incredibly aggressive and attacking that circuit like they would do anywhere else. Um, and as, as I said before, you know, you saw Dan with those four overtakes in that one particular race. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid whatsoever. And, and him with Poucher and Armstrong, you know, when they came together, that sort of cringeworthy, like, oh, no, kind of scene. And poor Teo broke his wrist, you know, from that accident. Um, all three of them were, were going for that corner, weren't they, really? None of them were yielding to each other. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lap one accident with Lawson. Was that Lawson and Piastri, lap one accident um, in the first sprint race? So, no, they're not holding back. They're not going to hold back. This is Formula 2, don't forget. You know, there are no holdbacks in Formula 2, are there? Absolutely not. And we don't want to see them holding back either, do we? We want to see them really pushing. Uh, and yeah, we want to see what they're capable of, right? So, Lawrence, do, do you think that for, you know, that maybe drivers that aren't used to scoring points, haven't scored as many points this season, do you think that they'll be hoping for chaos in front of them so that it could be an opportunity for them to, you know, keep their noses clean and, and, and you know, collect some points? Definitely. The Baku always has that ability to, th- to throw up an unpredictable race and to throw some carnage in there. And so I think from that, those, those drivers that are maybe slightly further down the order or drivers who haven't had the perfect season compared to how their pace has been so far, they might actually need to be slightly conservative and sort of wait for, for some of the more aggressive, aggressive drivers to sort of make a, make a, few, a few slips. Um, in order to get past them 
um, because of course there is such a risk here with the walls being so close um, that you know if, if someone does go for a bit of an ambitious move like Dang Tictum did last year, then you know all of a sudden several cars could be out of the race and you find yourself well up the order. Um, and that also opens the gap for plenty of different strategies in the feature race as well. Are we going to have some people running long on the harder tyres and, and waiting to pit under safety car and then suddenly vaulting up the order when that happens? Um, there's just the potential for all sorts to happen. And it's such a contrast to Monaco where it's so predictable who's going to be to be winning the race based on qualifying. Um, so I think it'll be, a, it'll be a brilliant watch and hopefully for those drivers hoping to make an improvement this season, they can sort of show a bit of their quality. Yeah, absolutely. High, high chance of a safety car, as you say, which could be a game changer, in, uh, particularly in the feature race, but could be in a sprint race as well. So we look forward to seeing that. Now, big question. Uh, there are plenty of good circuits on the Formula 2 calendar, okay? Uh, but, you know, we, we, we speak about uh, Baku and it being so chaotic and unpredictable. Is it the best round on the Formula 2 calendar, in your opinion, LA Wilshaw? Uh, and if not, what is what is your favourite calendar, your favourite circuit on the calendar? Um, yeah, I think it's up there. You know, I, I don't think I can sort of say there's a number one, that if I could only watch one race in a season, I, I would be able to sort of pick one out of the few that I love. Um, but it is absolutely up there, probably in, in you know, in a, in a top three um and, but I love spa you know I love spa Francorchamps and it's uh it's a again probably scenery too but you know it's just the Eau Rouge Radion um and and the rest of the circuit as well but that just brings such a, a lot of excitement uh to my stomach even though I'm not on the circuit um, but Baku is absolutely, yeah, I couldn't, it's one of those races I couldn't miss. You know, I've had a discussion with a family member about um, potentially sort of being a bit distracted next weekend by something. And I was like, nah, nah, stop, no, nah, it's Baku. There's no way, no, no way. Lawrence, same question to you. Uh, up there in terms of one of your favourite circuits on the calendar. Uh, and what is your favourite circuit on the calendar? It's definitely up there. Um it's difficult. Um, it's it's tempting to be all over patriotic with the uh, with the jubilee and say Silverstone, um, but that always offers British bias. Racing. Though, British bias. We... Well, well, no, we can't we can't have that. So I can't say Silverstone. Um, I think I think I might say Monza actually in terms of how how much history there is there. I think that that race has something really special about it. Um, can sometimes suffer with the DRS trains, but in general, there's there's enough opportunity for the overtaking there. Monza's one of my favourites. Could Baku just about pip it? Maybe. I think Baku is slightly more chaotic. So I think, yeah, why not? I'd, I'd say Baku, my favourite circuit. There you go. There we go. <laughs> there you go. That's what we wanted. That's the that's the headline right there, isn't it, LA for for you writers? Uh, there you go. No, good stuff. No, really looking forward to Baku this weekend. It will be, uh, yeah, it'll be chaotic uh, regardless, won't it? So let's wait and see. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some drivers. Uh, are we looking at potentially Drogovic versus Portier again? Uh, Lawrence, I absolutely love seeing that in Monaco. Uh, is that is that a battle that we we could see again this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were given a really tense spectacle at Monaco. Um, you know, Drogovic not cracking under the pressure. 
poor chair, you know, piling on the pressure onto him. Um, but it was a bit of a shame in that we sort of knew that Porsche wasn't going to make a move because of how much risk there is there. So those last few laps were a bit of a tease, really. Um, and But this time round, if they find themselves at the front, which is quite likely they will be, we can expect some genuine wheel-to-wheel action. You know, they've been pulling away from the rest of the field so far this year. So there's no reason why they won't be up there again fighting for the win. But somehow that feels too obvious, too predictable for F2 and especially too predictable for Baku. And, you know, as we've said time and time again, there are so many drivers that have looked quick this season. You know, Yuri Vips had a solid clean, clean weekend in Monaco. He will have regained some confidence after such a disappointing time in Barcelona. Um, Liam Lawson set the quickest lap in Monaco. Of course, it was deleted, but he'll be desperate to show that pace again. Deruval is right up there in the championship hunt, and Armstrong has been quietly consistent all year, and he sort of crept his way up the order. You know, Imola's feature race was the only time when he finished a race outside of the top 10. So really, who knows who will be fighting for the, for, the, for the race win? It's so wonderfully unpredictable, this this series but if you were a, if you're a betting person and had to put your money down on two drivers you expect to find themselves at the pointy end of the of the race you couldn't look past poor chair and Drogovic because they have been slightly on another level so far this year and it would be it would be awesome to see them battling again but battling properly battling wheel to wheel Definitely going to be more overtaking opportunities, as we've already said, this weekend. Let's talk about some of those guys that uh, Lawrence has just spoken about, LA. Um, High-tech, really strong weekend in, in, in Monaco. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, Yuri Vips, obviously, coming into this weekend, knowing that he, he won two races here last season, obviously, in the free race format. Uh, is this the weekend, off, you know, off the back of Monaco, uh, a consistent weekend? Is this the weekend where he can really, you know, rebuild his season and get back on track? Yeah, I mean, last season, you know, he got six podiums, two wins, and that obviously wasn't enough to to make a massive impact on the championship. Um, he knows how to to navigate around Baku a little bit, doesn't he? And he seems to sort of have everything in front of him at the moment, doesn't he? He's got a very decent car, and he's driving exceptionally well. But then there's these little hiccups that keep coming in, and. He, he sort of took a little bit of the blame himself. And I, I kind of feel awkward talking about it because I really like Yuri and I think that he's, he's a fantastic driver. I really do. So I'm kind of hoping that Baku will kind of help him and the team reset maybe a little bit, reset his championship. So, um, you know, I, I wish him the, the best of luck. You know, he's he's got his head on his shoulders. He's not letting any of what's happened to date affect him. You know, he was in. He was chatting away in the roundtable press conference uh, just before Monaco. So none of that's affecting him. He's upbeat. He's very positive, and um, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll do his best in Baku. He will indeed. And and his fellow Red Bull Junior, um, Jehan Deruvla Lawrence. Um, we we spoke last time on 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 the show about him potentially you know he's been so consistent this season but potentially not quite having had the the pace so far this season to to turn that consistency into a win and you know go to that next level 
third time he's come into Baku. Uh, obviously, third third year in Formula Two. Would that work in his favour? And, and can he put a, put a weekend together, qualify on pole, and uh, potentially take the feature race win? It, it should certainly work in his in his favour, having that experience of the track um, and knowing how to to manage the tyres around around this track. That should all help him. And we've we've seen the last few races that certainly certainly in Barcelona it seemed that that knowledge of the tyres and of the circuit certainly helped Felipe Drogovic to to gain that awesome feature race win. Um, so yeah, so he'll be counting on it and. He, you sort of feel that he needs to make that little bit of a step up, like you say, he has been so consistent, but he hasn't quite seemed like he has the pace. He has that sort of extra little half a percent that it takes to make that the difference between winning and, and coming second in these in these races. Um, so he'll want to make that step up this year because it's this well this weekend because it's his third year in the in the sport now. And very rarely do we see drivers having a fourth. You either you either move up or 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 you move move off. And if he's wanting to show that in that packed Red Bull driver program, he's the one that should be that should be moving up next season, then I think he still has a little bit more to a little bit more to prove. His his pace is unquestionable, and I think we've he's demonstrated what he has really well. I don't think he's convinced many people that he's ready to quite make that step up. Um, so that's a really big challenge for him this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. A, a few drivers in in a similar position. Uh, LA, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Marcus Armstrong. Um, has he? I mean, he he seems like a uh, a new man this year. I'd say he, he maybe started the season a little bit slowly, but he's really come into his own since his win in in Imola, isn't he? Is is he benefiting from not being a part of the Ferrari Driver Academy this season? Is is that something that perhaps plays on a driver's mind? Going into back of last season, fifteenth in the standings, this year fourth in the standings. It's, it's, it's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge difference. I mean, he's already one point ahead of his entire uh, championship last season I think he finished on 49 points and he's now on 50 points uh, so he's now obviously put last year behind him I'm not sure it's FDA uh, Ferrari Driver Academy related I mean I think that's probably a nice worthy question to ask him if he does come into one of the round tables you know or the press conferences um, he has changed teams don't forget that can also have a massive difference um, and um, you know, you're absolutely right. He does look like a new man. He does look like a new driver. And as we've mentioned before in other um, podcasts and as we've mentioned before in other seasons, we cannot underestimate this Formula 2 because one of the drivers, you know, it got to almost the very last sort of couple of race weekends last year, didn't it? Um, and I think it was anyone in the top 11 mathematically could have still have won that championship even though obviously p11 was probably unlikely it was still mathematically possible till very much near the end of the season so as the math goes you know there's still plenty of drivers out there that can turn their entire season around and um you know marcus i mean he did have the two retirements last year in baku which was obviously <laughs> no fault of his own <laughs> sorry marcus um but yeah he's pretty handy around baku as well i think again one of the ones that needs to qualify higher get himself out of the trouble around the midfield so he's not battling as as hard um you know because don't forget you've got new drivers this season we've got a lot of new rookies this season 
And we have the likes of Iwasa, who, you know, is just sort of, uh, you know, Ayomu is just blowing everyone's minds a little bit, I think, at the moment, because uh, this is a, a handy young driver, I feel, that does have a very good career ahead of him. So Marcus needs to watch out for people like Ayomu as well. Yeah, let, let's talk about Iwasa. Obviously, uh, a hot prospect in that dr- uh, Red Bull driver programme, which we've said is very packed, Lawrence, as you say. Um where where do where do drivers go for if this is Daruvula's last season? Uh, if this is Yuri Vips's potentially last last shot at uh, at Red Bull Drive, who who do we think are most likely at the moment as it stands to 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 be looking at a Formula One seat, Lawrence, next season? Do do you think there is uh, anyone on a Formula Two grid that that is in a good position at the moment? I think the one driver that I'd pick out as looking in a good position is is Teo Porcher. He's had a, that strong first season, and it looks like he's building quite a, a convincing title charge this year. And if he does win the title, then you'd think surely he's he's shown enough to to make it into Formula One. And of course, he has that close tie with with Salva, so there's there's almost that clear pathway for him into the into the sport. Where they get slightly more complicated is that Salva have their own rookie driver at the moment in Guan Yu Zhou, who they'll be wanting to nurture and they'll be wanting to invest in him. And also they have Valtteri Bottas, who is a very, very quick driver, who although he's probably closer to the end of his career than the beginning of it, he's got plenty of years left and he doesn't seem to be slowing down in any way, shape or form. So that's when it gets really complicated. And this is part of the the sort of the, the larger debate about about f2 drivers making that step step up to f1 that we see so many drivers that we feel are deserving of a place in formula one but there are only 20 seats there and at the moment the rate at which the drivers are coming through the 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 ranks and coming into formula two and performing at that level the rate at which they're moving through is not at all matched with the rate of F1 drivers who are either being sacked or retiring. So those spaces just simply aren't opening up. And so that's how you're getting into a situation where the likes of Oscar Piastri doesn't have a Formula 1 seat after winning F3 and dominating F2. And that is really quite troubling for Formula 2 as an entire series because the, the current grid has got to look at Oscar Piastri and think, well... If he hasn't made it onto the F1 grid, then then how how can I do that? What more could you possibly do to get into that position? So this is becoming a real problem for for F2, and I really hope that the the state of play in F1 can change to give these young talented drivers the chance that they that they really deserve. Oscar Piastri and Nick De Vries are nodding their heads in agreement with you, Lawrence. They, uh, yeah, it, it is really tough, and and especially, I, I mean, if we're again going by by the rumours in Formula One, uh, particularly around Daniel Ricciardo's seat at McLaren, for example, uh, maybe a few rumours around Pato Awards potentially being in with a shot, maybe Colton Herta being linked with with you know various different places on on the Formula One grid as well. Where where does that leave Formula Two if, if if all of a sudden we're getting drivers from IndyCar coming over? Does that you know where does that leave Formula Two as a feeder series to Formula One, Lawrence? 
Well, that that is a really sort of complex one because McLaren's quite a unique case in the, the links they have with, with Herter and O'Ward, um, whereas they don't really have any F2 drivers in their development program at the moment. You know, it would make sense with them to go with drivers that they're more familiar with. The big question mark is how does that form in IndyCar actually translate over to F1? Because, you know, we, we haven't seen that transition made in such a long time. And you compare that to the sort of tried and tested F2 method that Award and, and Herta almost looked like sort of risky um, appointments to a, to a McLaren seat if you're doing that. So for an F1 team to go with those drivers over an F2 driver would would really be quite a, a damning indictment on, on, on the talent in F2. Um, but it's not you know, it's not a given that that move is, is necessarily going to happen. Um, and there are other drivers that, that that aren't currently attached to junior teams, the likes of Drogovic, the likes of Armstrong, that could well fit into that McLaren seat. And although their pathway isn't as clear as perhaps Porcher, as I mentioned earlier, they have the they have the freedom, they have the option to go where they want. Guan Yu Zhou was an Alpine junior driver and he ended up at Alfa Romeo. Ultimately, contracts can be ripped up and, and rewritten if the, if, the, uh, if the situation is right. Um, so hopefully that, that will be the case for some drivers. LA, where do, where do you stand on this? Do, do you think that Formula 2 as a feeder series is, is still in, in a good place? Do you think they're still pushing drivers through? Obviously, the, the Oscar Piastri situation isn't ideal, but you still think that, that you know it's a perfect feeder series for Formula 1? Yeah, I kind of do feel like it needs to be. I'm sure they are looking at it. It's not just us here you know, sitting at home <laughs> noticing this, what's, what's actually inevitably happening is that the the success the dream of making formula you know four three and two uh, an official feeder series into formula one it's absolutely coming together it's such a success but the downside of the success is exactly what we've all noticed is that it's becoming saturated with incredibly amazing drivers. But I don't think there's been this abundance, this many drivers that are this good and this amazing. And, and they're all good and talented um, because of, of the route they're now taking and because of all the little driver academies that they're part of or they're just naturally great at it like like Drogovic or you know Armstrong coming into his own this season um, it's a problem it's a big problem because it's also I think it might end up having some kind of negative I'm not going to say backlash that's perhaps the wrong word to use but it's definitely going to have a negative impact on the sport on Formula 3 and 2 if the drivers and if the champion isn't getting a career anywhere, I don't think the problem is in other drivers from other series coming over. I think that the problem is, is there is not enough Formula One teams on that Formula One grid. That's the issue. That's where it lies. Because all of these fantastic drivers, whether they're from Indy, whether they're from F2, need somewhere to go. These young men and young women, when the young women do, when the women start coming through, they're not going to spend what a couple of million a year, a couple of million euros, five million, whatever million euros it is, what two million euros to drive in Formula Two. Are they really going to want to spend that money and then think, well, I, but I've got nowhere to go after Formula Two anyway? 
you know I've got no career in Formula Two that's where the problems are going to start the little niggles isn't it and it worries me it concerns me um as just as a fan of the sport that this could end up going a little bit wrong if we're not careful um so I don't know what the answer is you know I I'm I'm not that clever apart from to think that we need more Formula One teams um or maybe some kind of I don't know is it possible that there could be teams that are sort of say somebody like Carlin you know high tech can get themselves into F1 with help maybe a little bit you know these teams aren't as wealthy as the Formula One teams um is there some some answer there in a couple of the F2 teams becoming a Formula One team and taking a driver right through I think Formula Two has really done all it all it can so far they've provided the talent it's just not getting picked up I think the the onus really is on on Formula One to provide a place for these drivers to come through and the the issue and the frustration for so many fans is that talent is not the only or in some cases even the primary factor in getting a Formula One seat, which is really sad to see. It's because money plays such a big factor and really there are a few F1 seats where you're sort of waiting for those drivers to move on to create that space. But F1 as a business relies on on money and and many of the teams especially over the last few years have struggled and having a a driver that comes with a wealthy backing has such an impact on how they're able to perform and that's that is an aspect that we're a little bit more more free from in formula two which is part of the reason why the racing is so good but of course that's not the not the case in formula one so perhaps Formula One can work with the teams to provide certain incentives to get those those younger drivers through because teams like Alpine and Ferrari that have these driver academies and, and even Red Bull at times, they have this talent, they nurture it, but their decision is made so difficult by the, all the financial things at play in, in the sport that those drivers aren't getting pulled through. So I think it, it really comes from that that wider problem and that one will be a, a tough one to resolve i can only hope that the talent eventually shines through where those little gaps in the in the grid open up it's a really fascinating conversation i am unfortunately going to have to bring it to an end in the interest of time but we could talk about that all day couldn't we uh, and i would love to hear what you guys at home have to say on it as well let us know in the comments on twitter on instagram on youtube let us know what you think on the conversation uh, and we uh, I mean this time last year we were talking about Jack Aitken returning to Formula 2 and potentially Jack Aitken versus Dan Tixon for a Williams Formula 1 seat uh, this year so uh, it shows how much we know about Formula 2 uh, Formula 2 Formula 1 the driver market and uh, yeah how quickly things can change but no really interesting conversation guys that is all we have time for today unfortunately my thanks to LA and to Lawrence for joining me on today's show And thank you to you guys at home for watching as well. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you give it a like, subscribe for more Formula 2 content. As always, hashtag the F2 show to get involved in the conversation as well as we've just been talking about. But from me, Fraser Ford and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.